So often, the abortion conversation revolves around what abortion does to the children and the effects it has on the mothers. But very few times have I heard people talk about the effects that abortion has on men. Today, we talk to one of those men. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Peter. I'm the host of the show, and we have a difficult conversation happening today. We are going to be talking to a man who uh, has a child who was aborted. We're going to hear his story. We're going to hear his journey and uh, some of the steps to healing that he took. Before we get there, I'd like to introduce my co-host once again. His name is Cameron Cote. He is wonderful. He's he's kind of like the expert of the show and a real genius. Uh, and so here he is, Cam Cote. How are you, sir? I am doing very well. You are far too kind, my friend. Um, I, I have, uh, I, I think of of those those stats they show about the how many shots Kobe Bryant missed. Not that I'm likening myself to being a pro life Kobe Bryant or anything like that, but like how many shots they missed and. As much as I may have had the most or close to the most conversations um, at CSPR, I'm sure that I've had the most or close to the most bad conversations at CSPR too. And so I've learned a lot of my stuff from making mistakes and learning how to do things better. But I'm very, very humbled to be able to share it with you, the audience, um, to hope that your conversations can go smoother than mine did when I first got involved or um, even, even long after that. I continue to try to grow and try to continue in my conversations about abortion. I hope that that's something that you're doing too. And in some ways that's evident by you tuning into this show. And so it's great to be here. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing very well as well. Looking forward to this conversation. But before we get there, for those of you who are new to the program, we are two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children in Canada, which is where we are. And this podcast, we started it and is dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to have those effective and winsome conversations about abortion, to see people change their minds, to see lives saved, and to work towards the ultimate transformation of our culture for good. So thank you for tuning in. We hope uh, that we are we are sort of reaching that um, you know culture transformation, and we hope that we are actually equipping you uh, to have those really good conversations with what we've learned over the past few years. Cam, you talked about a lot of mistakes you made in your conversations and and in some of the you know dialogues that you've had. I can say the exact same thing. Uh, but thank the Lord, we've learned a lot, and our goal is to share that with you. Before we get into our conversation, uh, I'd like to highlight that the Pro Life Guys podcast is kicking off some courses. Now, Cam, the first course is starting on October 28th, I believe. And if it's not 28, it's the Wednesday. That's the closest to the 28th, but I think it's the 28th. <laughs> Cam, can you uh, share it with us just a few minutes? Um, what is this course? What's it going to be about? Why is it relevant to what we're doing here at the podcast? Yeah, so the idea behind these courses is to offer kind of supplemental content that isn't directly related necessarily to the abortion conversation, but is related to how we interact with the culture. And that's why I'm super excited about a couple of the courses that we have coming down the two. We've got two of them officially happening. One of them that we have dates locked into, as you mentioned, um, it'll be an eight series course on theology of the body. Um, this is traditionally a very Catholic kind of angle at looking at human sexuality and how we relate to human sexuality and to the human person themselves. And so obviously Pro-Life Guys podcast, Peter, you and I are both Christians. We both um, recognize that there is a religious component behind the dignity of every human being. 
that's not the main thrust of the show. And so this is not required reading. You don't need to know this necessarily to have good conversations about abortion. But we are really privileged to have our good friend and colleague, Blaise Elaine, um, who not only works for CCBR as the Eastern Outreach um, Director, um, but he also has a master's in theological studies from uh, the University of Toronto. And he has run this Theology of the Body course based on um, St. Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body that he um, kind of launched through a series of presentations and talks and whatnot through the 1980s. Um, He's going to be offering this eight-part series under the mantle of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. And so we're going to invite you to sign up and register for that. Um, it, it's going to cost, I believe the, the registration cost is $75, money of which partly goes towards Blaze and, and the time and, and work that he puts together. Um putting on the course and prepping for the course and all that kind of thing, but also um, towards supporting this podcast as well. And so you can register for that on our website, prolifeguys.com. There's a tab for courses. Click on the Theology of the Body um, little option there, and you can sign up for that, learn a little bit more about that. As I mentioned, it does come at the human person and um, human sexuality from a, a Catholic perspective, but it's not exclusively Catholic. That Blaze has has done a lot of ecumenical work um and i i have done this course with him leading it with not only several catholics but also several protestants who are just very interested in the angle and if you are not catholic you are most welcome to join in on this um we are going to have a variety of courses coming down the tube that are kind of looked at through the lens of different theological um, perspectives and whatnot and so if you want to be a part of it by all means um you can understand a little bit more about where Catholics are coming from when it comes to human sexuality and whatnot. Um, but again, it's not exclusive for Catholics. And so please sign up again, prolifeguys.com. Look forward to other courses that are highlighted there, including one that I myself will be hosting, which is just a book study of um, Stuck, a complete guide to answering tough questions about abortion. I'll be walking through that chapter by chapter. We haven't settled on dates quite yet, but that'll be coming down the tube very quickly and other courses will be offering soon. And so that's super exciting. Really, really fired up that we're starting to offer that and other content. Yeah, likewise. We've been talking about this for quite a while now, uh, getting these courses off the ground. And so I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, we'll have more information on our website, prolifeguys.com slash courses, where you can learn more about what's happening um, and just some of the courses that are going to be coming in the future as well. So go check it out, prolifeguys.com slash courses. And if you want a discount code, just thought of this off the top, uh, if you become a Patreon supporter, a patron of the Pro-Life Guys, where you financially partner with us to get this podcast, not just off the ground, because it, it is off the ground already, thankfully, but really to more people um, and, and uh, allowing us to create better podcasts, better production, um, do consider becoming a, a patron of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, patreon.com slash Guys. Well, like I said off the top, we are going to be talking with a father, um, who had his child aborted. And, and we're going to hear the story um, that he shares. I, I have never met him before, so I don't actually know his story. So I'm going, I'm curious to see, um, yeah, just some of the contours of the journey that he's been on. But we're going to be talking about what it, what it looks like and what it means to find healing and hope after um, a child's been aborted. And, and this coming from a specific focus of being a man and having your child aborted. And so Cam, uh, Marlon is a, a friend of yours, so I'd like uh, 
<laughs> Could you introduce him for us, sir? Absolutely. So Marlon Bartram, he is an incredible guy. He's been a good friend of mine since I first got involved with CSPR, actually. He, I think I actually stayed at his house during my internship on the new abortion caravan. He is the executive director of the Kelowna Right to Life Society, um, or Kelowna Pro-Life Society, um, one of the two, uh, whatever it's exactly called. He's an incredible guy. He has done a tremendous amount of pro-life outreach in the Kelowna, Vernon, kind of interior BC kind of area. He's a great guy. He's spoken at conferences with myself as well. Super down to earth, very, very thoughtful. And I, I have a profound amount of respect and appreciation for him because this takes a huge amount of courage, right, to, to share about an abortion experience. As you'll hear, this is something that he didn't want his girlfriend to have an abortion. He didn't want that child to be aborted. Um, but what that journey has looked like for him since then, a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, an incredible guy. Really looking forward to connecting with him here in just a few moments. Perfect. Well, here, here we go. Here's our conversation with Marlon Bartram. All right, Marlon Bartram, thank you so, so much for joining the program. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much for asking, and thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We appreciate um, the the wide variety of guests we've had on the show, and and uh, we, you and I have been in touch, Marlon, for the last little while about having you as a guest on our show. I think that you have a very... Um, very powerful testimony yourself, and I, I hope that we can have a, a very, very interesting conversation about men and abortion. I think that men are so often forgotten in the abortion conversation. And mm -hmm. before we dive into um, engaging men and trying to get men more involved in standing up for the lives of their preborn children, I'd love to just kind of set set the stage a little bit by talking a little bit with you about your journey. You're you're working as the the um, executive director of Kelowna Right to Life right now, and yet um, your journey within the pro-life movement in many ways was was slightly different than a lot of people. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of your journey with abortion and what that has looked like in your own life, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Well, I can tell you that for the about the first 40 years of my life, I really didn't give the issue of abortion much of a second thought. Um, I didn't really care about it one way or the other. I just thought that it was a woman's issue. It was up. It was up to them. It was between them and politicians and lawmakers. And as a man, I sort of didn't really have a say in the issue. And and as I stated, I didn't really care that much about it. It just wasn't important an issue to me. But then later in life, when I was living with a woman um, in my late thirties and and her early thirties. Uh, we found out that um, she was pregnant one day, and that's when I, I you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown man, I'm 40 years old, and I can take responsibility for the consequences of my choices and my actions, but she was in a different headspace. She had always been sort of, um, I guess, uh, I guess you, I could describe her now as a left-wing kind of progressive type of person, and... I had known that she had had an abortion when she was younger, I think 19 or 20 years old. Um, didn't really bother me or anything. Um, and she had already, she she was already the mother of an eight-year-old girl, you know, beautiful little girl. Uh, she, but she was scared. I guess she wasn't secure enough in our relationship. And she was worried. She didn't want to end up being the single mom of 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 two kids so she was very much back and forth you know what's she gonna do is she gonna keep this baby is she gonna have an abortion and 
while she was in that space, I, I, I needed to look into this whole pro-life versus pro-choice thing because I, I knew that she was tentatively planning an abortion. And through my uh, research and my looking into both sides of, of the issue and the arguments for and against, I, I came down solidly on the pro-life side. You know, I came to realize that this was a, a, a small baby, a developing baby. It was another person that was growing inside of her, as we all did in our mother's wombs for the first nine months of our lives. And it wasn't just about me and it wasn't just about her, but there was a third life there now that we, we had a responsibility to and to care for. And um, I decided I was going to need to try to convince her to keep this baby. So I offered to get married, you know, let's have a family. Um, let's be a family together. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of her. I'll take care of the baby. If she didn't want that, I would take the baby and raise the baby on my own. Or, you know, I brought up there's even adoption, like anything but abortion, because, you know, I saw some pictures of what abortion does to, to unborn fetuses and embryos, and it wasn't an option for me. I, I fully realized that this is killing. This is, this is the destruction, the violent destruction of a human life. And I did everything I could really, aside from taking physical action uh, to stop her from getting an abortion but she she scheduled one and it was about two three weeks away and um the day came uh, it was a tuesday morning here in Kelowna, and the hospital's just a few blocks down the street here and the morning came and I, I i got out of bed early and i tried to convince her you know again you know please please don't do this please you know this is a baby this is our baby let there's got to be a better way and but her friend came to the house to pick her up and um I, just, I couldn't stop her from leaving the house, you know. So she left the house with her friend. And um, I waited and waited and waited and prayed and hoped that she would change her mind, even at the very last minute, just change her mind and get off that table and, and not go through with it. And it took about three, four hours of waiting, and it was just, it was agonizing. You know, I felt totally helpless. Um, you know, earlier I had even talked to a lawyer if there was anything I could do to stop an abortion from happening. And the lawyer said, there's there's just no way. You know, you can try, but, you know, the case will, you will lose. And if you want to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, you can, and it'll cost you a quarter million dollars and it'll, and you'll lose in the end and your baby will be long aborted by the time that ever happened. So I already had this feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. And that morning was just exasperated that you know, that I was totally out of my control. Saving my own child, my own baby was totally out of my control. And I think as men, we, you know, we're programmed to be protectors and providers for our children. And, you know, if, if uh, any man will tell you if his child is, starts to run out of the street or anything, I mean, his automatic reaction is to save the, is to react and take, you know, take action to, that will save that, save his child. And uh, I just, there was nothing I could do. So finally, about, uh, three to four hours later i finally got the phone finally rang and i picked it up right away and it was her and she just started talking like okay um yeah i'm just down here and we're, we're gonna go for lunch and then i'll be home and it was like nothing happened you know i, I couldn't i said well tell me did you go through with it or not and she just there was a bit of a pause and she just said yes it's done and uh, i'm telling you cameron my heart just broke i just i just fell apart and and hung up the phone and for three days I could not function. I didn't want to eat. I even had thoughts of suicide. You know, it was that bad and it was, it was terrible. It was a terrible experience, but, but it told me that this is, 
This is the killing of a valuable, you know, precious human life. And this is an atrocity in our society that we're, we're allowing. It's totally wrong and it has to come to an end. And that was over 20 years ago, approximately 20 years ago now. And um, I'm still as passionate as I uh, as pro-life, uh, passionately pro-life as I was the day that happened. And it still hurts from time to time today. It's still difficult to sort of relive that that event in my life. And there's always been a big hole in my life since that happened that can only be filled by a child, you know, the child that was my child. And um, still affects me to this day. And I think it will for the rest of my life. You know? So yeah, I'm sure. And I, I can only imagine. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for you sharing your testimony here, because I, I feel like for a lot of people working in the pro-life movement who may not have a personal experience, may not even know somebody very, very close to them who's had an abortion, it can be tempting at times for abortion to be a numbers game, right? The the numbers of abortions in Canada and the number of this and the number of that and become a, a data experience. And yet, as you share, this is a very real experience, very personal kind of thing that that can can be devastating, right? I'm sure that not everyone responds in the exact same way at the exact same timeline. But as you mentioned, you've got several days where you're you're just grasping at straws, trying to cope with with the decision that was made. And um, what what was the journey like after? So you talked about how yeah, for the first forty years of your life, this was not super relevant, and then it comes. I'm, I'm sure in some ways almost out of nowhere in the, the days and weeks and years to follow that. What did that journey, how, how were you able to not recover per se, but, but um, kind of process what had happened? What did that journey of hope and healing, I suppose, look like for you? Is this something that you were, you were in a, a really dark place for a long time. Was it something that you were able to connect with a, a support group or counseling center? What did this journey after abortion look for you, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, being around pro-life people and being around people who could at least understand or fathom or relate to what I was going through, um, I think is a great source of healing because you know, when you're suffering from an abortion, and I suppose this is true from a lot of women too, you know, society tells you that this is just a blob of tissue. This is, it's just a choice, you know, there's, and if you're, if you're grieving, you know, the loss of a blob of tissue, there's something wrong with you. There must be something wrong with you, you know? I mean, can you imagine just about everybody's had, has lost a loved one in in their, in their life. And can you imagine if you lose a loved one and but nobody's there to understand what you're going through or they think that what you're going through is is totally crazy it must be totally crazy like and so just to be around people who are pro-life and who understand that that is a child and that abortion does take the life of a child i, I think is was it was a great source without that I, I don't know where i would be today because you know, I think you have to have people who are compassionate and who are em- em- empathetic when you are going through a tough time. And um, yeah, and I did go through a post-abortion healing program for a weekend, and that did help tremendously. Again, you have to, I think with any trauma, you have to come face to face with what really happened. And you can't just bury things and, and deny, deny them and push them to the side, you know, um, if you if you plan on 
if you want to heal from them, that 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 doesn't work because eventually it catches up to you. And I, I think that the, the you know the impact that abortion had on me, you know that freight train hitting my soul was. I think that happens to everybody who has an abortion, but it just it gets buried deep down, way deep down inside, and it may never come to the surface, you know, for a lot of people. But I think every in every woman who has an abortion, she experiences at the very core of her soul, at the very core of her being, that that is a tremendous bloat it's a loss of a of her own child and that you know that's something that is just life-changing so but it's uh, as i mentioned before i still feel a, a great void in in my life where that child should be you know um july 17th was the due date of that baby being born so uh, you know mid-july i always do the calculation in my head and you know my boy or girl would have been 16 or 17 or 18 and um yeah it's always there in my mind and in my heart and i think there's a hope too that you know if heaven is real and if all unborn babies go to heaven i mean that does give me that does give me a sense of joy and hope and something to look forward to in the future that one day you know i'll be holding that little baby in my arms and that's a you know that's a great comfort Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm curious. Um, obviously, the way that abortion is portrayed in in the media in contemporary culture, I think that they they would love to do away with a testimony like yours of somebody who was profoundly impacted by the decision of their partner, um, grieving and and struggling to to come to terms with what happened, and and I'm sure that you've seen whether it's the pro-abortion campaigns for shout your abortion or Maybe it was even conversations you had um, with your partner at the time about what was that journey like to try to help people who may may not have been familiar with um, the pro life worldview or why abortion was such a big deal. Did you did you struggle to convey where you were at and why people should care about abortion with the people in your life at the time, or what did that look like for you and the people who were around you at that time? I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a lot of a lot of the people in my family are very um, liberal, pro pro choice, left left wingers. So, a lot of them, I mean, I haven't even discussed still with a lot of people in my in my life and in my family. I have not gone gone into the details about my what my experience was, but I can tell you that in talking to um, innumerable people who are pro choice, you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm part of a pro life organization, so I I have conversations on a daily basis with people who are pro choice and. You know, there there are many times where, I mean, when someone tells just on its face, when someone tells me they're pro-choice, they're telling me on a very personal level that they're okay with the fact that my child is dead, you know, that my child was killed, that they're perfectly okay with that. So it's, if you know, especially in the very beginning, that was still very raw and very personal to me. And of course, I would immediately be on the defense or offense because of that, you know. Uh, I tried not to let that come to the surface because, first of all, many people did not know my experience. And second of all, I have to realize that they're coming from a, a place of total ignorance about the pro-life position, as as you said, and, and our arguments and the fact that this is even a the unborn child is a person is a totally is a totally foreign, totally alien way of thinking t- to them. You know, they probably haven't even considered that argument in their entire lives. A lot of these people, so. So I yeah I had to really kind of suppress and put to the background this fact that this person's actually saying they don't care that my child was killed you know that's a very personal offensive 
position to take in in my view. So yeah, I struggled with that a lot. Uh, most people, I think, who are pro-choice, I I do think they actually have good intention. They're they're just it's just that it's just that they're just ignorant. You know, I mean, we have a lot of common ground with pro-choicers and that they care about kids. You know, when they talk about oh, do you really want a child to grow up, you know, suffering or abused or in a bad home or in poverty, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they're telling me that they care about kids and I do too. Of course I do too. It's it's just that they are ignorant of the fact that the child before they're born is just as valuable and just as precious as the child is af- after they're born. So I think it takes it takes a bit of a a bit of a a mindset to speak with someone who's pro-choice and not get upset. <laughs> really, you know, I mean, you have to you have to sympathize and realize that 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 they just don't know. You know, I guess to be reminded, you know, of what Christ said on the cross. You know, forgive them; they know not what they do. And you have to you have to take that very very literally and apply it to to that person. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I think time and time again, of I, I have conversations, whether with our volunteers or with our interns, after a, a hard and a heavy um, session of pro-life outreach, where they're sp- speaking to high school students or university students who are just parroting a lot of these pro-abortion slogans or, or one-liners and whatnot, and, and just challenging them on what chance do these kids have? To this point, when when their parents support abortion, when their school supports abortion, when all of their social media mm-hmm. influencers support abortion, what chance does this kid have to not support abortion, I guess? And I think that you hit the nail on the mm-hmm. head there with being able to build that calm ground and connect with people in a meaningful way and not lash out at them for their insensitivity per se, even though they are often being insensitive, not lashing out with them with the hard truth as it were, but trying to connect with them and trying to facilitate a meaningful um, conversion for them. And another thing that I'd I'd love to touch on that, that you mentioned a couple of times there was how how much you benefited from your association with other pro-lifers, whether individuals or pro-life groups. And again, the media often wants to paint this impression that pro-lifers are hostile, they're judgmental, they're condemning, the pro-abortion movement is supportive and loving and compassionate. And I I wonder whether what what your experience was like when when the people in the pro-life circles that that you were in, when they did find out that that um, you had lost a child to abortion, um, what response have you found? Have you found that condemnation and judgment from um, the pro-life movement that the pro that the pro-abortion media wants to project into the pro-life movement, or have you found something else? I guess. Yeah, no, of course not. I found the exact opposite. Is you know they they were understanding and they were sympathetic and. You know, many of them were genuinely moved by my story, and you can, you know, uh, I think the pro-lifers. I mean, just by being there and say at our pro-life rally, holding a pro-life sign. I mean, just that people people have no idea how much I appreciate that, you know, and value that because, I mean, that just tells me that they're there for me and my child and the millions of others who are aborted, you know, across the world every year. Uh, it's a great sense of camaraderie and support that that I just value and cherish so much, you know, and appreciate so much. Um, no, and, and I never ever get any comments from pro-lifers, um, from pro-choicers. It's a different story. It's it's like, well, you, that was your fault, you know. You you should have you shouldn't have 
got yourself in that position in the first place, you know, and blaming me for it. And, and I mean, in a way it's, 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 it's true. I mean, it took both of us to make that, that baby. Um, and, um, no, I certainly would never get get do everything I can to prevent myself from getting in that situation again. Most most definitely, but um, no, there's no there's no very little connection from the pro-choice side as to sort of empathizing with me and under, trying to understand what what I went through on a very personal and very painful level. But from the pro-life side, it's uh, it's been all support, all support. And I'm I'm so glad to hear that. And that's something that we work hard on on this program, the Pro Life Guys podcast, and and in CCBR and all the outreach that we're doing to be able to convey that. I I think of, I I mean I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands, of people who have had abortions or been directly related to somebody who's had an abortion or something like that. And the the relief that I often see on their face when they realize that I'm not there to judge them. When I when I can share with them, you know what I have friends from high school, from university, um, from now who have had abortions, and I love them deeply, and I want the best for them. I want to help them, and I want to um, help them find recovering and healing and and all that sort of thing. Um, that has gone so far because they're anticipating this this rejection, and when they find acceptance within the pro life movement and acceptance where they can adequately process their emotional landscape and not be told constantly that they have to bury any grief, any anger, any sadness, because you should be proud of your abortion or you should, you should be happy that you had an abortion because it's allowed you to do all these other things. The, the sense of relief for a lot of people has been incredible. And I know that you've done a, a significant amount of pro-life outreach in various capacities, um, in in the the interior of BC and and elsewhere as well, I know. And I'm curious when you're interacting with people who, whether they have a similar experience to you, where they're an, a, a reluctant or an unwilling um, person connected with abortion, or even somebody who willingly had the abortion or tried to compel somebody to have an abortion, what have you found to resonate with them and build that connection that that on a human level? that has kind of broken through and shown them that you're not there to judge them, that you want to, you want to speak the truth, but you want to speak the truth with love, with compassion. And, and you genuinely care about them and not just a preborn child. Does that make sense? What, what have you found to, to resonate with people that you've spoken to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that, that's a difficult one. Cause I think people who are post-abortive can, can be at so many different, places and be experiencing such a wide range of emotions you know some can be still just very very angry uh, and not just at maybe the people who forced them into the abortion but um just uh you know when you're when you say you're pro-life you remind people of the abortion that they had and it can be the most gentle pro-life sign you're holding you know it can say we will love you and your baby and if they've had an abortion in the past and that it just triggers them and they immediately lash out at the messenger instead of, instead of um, processing and realizing that the source of their anger, their guilt, their frustration is the actual abortion that they had, not the person reminding them that they had an abortion. So I I think people can really be uh, angry and lash out and I think in those situations you just need to kind of remain calm and kind of you know diffuse the situation and try and talk to the person and appeal to their more gentle nature I guess Um, and then some people who are genuinely hurt 
uh, maybe feeling grief and guilt and remorse from their abortion, but still some anger. Um, some people maybe just totally don't even want to think about or talk about an abortion in their past. So it's really hard, I think, is to identify where a person is on on that sort of scale or range of emotions. And just, um, I found that to remain calm, try not to escalate any situations, and just look the person in the eye and, you know, try and find something, say something, and ask them a question that lets them know that you're listening and you care and um, you know, you're not there to judge, as you said, you're not there to call them a murderer or a bad person or anything like that. You know, that's hard because that's the message they're getting, especially, you know, we do the graphic images uh, demonstrations sometimes. And, uh, you know, you're showing a picture of a child whose body has been completely ravaged by an abortion. He's obviously not alive. And uh, that's can be the message that some people receive is that I murdered my child. This person is saying I murdered my child and they react, can react very uh, angrily to that. So I think every person, every situation is different and you just need to employ, um, you know, tact and care, show that you care, show empathy and show calmness. And I think most people will react positively that and will bring down the situation a little bit. Absolutely. It, it... I think of a um, an interaction that one of my colleagues in Vancouver had actually, and and she was doing one of one of these handheld um, displays showing the reality of what abortion does to a preborn child, um, and she had a, a young woman come up and and scream at her for ten or fifteen minutes, just how could you show that this and this and this? Uh, women who have had abortions, they have reasons for why they have abortions, and. And my colleague was just able to to share with compassion. We're showing this because we want to prevent this in the future. We're not condemning people for what they've done in the past. We see this from the past. We want to stop it in the future so that we can help you and support you and this and this. And and was able to really demonstrate that that genuine love and and say, you know, where were you at? I wanna I wanna chat with you. I wanna see how I can help, that kind of thing. And the woman stormed off. But a week later, she came back and they were doing another one of those displays in a different part of the city. And she came back and she actually apologized for her conduct and said, you know what, this is just so raw for me. But I went home and I thought about what you were actually saying and the fact that you actually wanted to help me and you wanted to help not only prevent abortion in the future, but help me recover from my abortion decision. I think that what you say dovetails with that beautifully in being able to empathize with the hardship that so many people are faced with while not compromising the truth about what abortion does, but but sharing um, the opportunities that maybe in the future we can pursue, I guess. And and another question I, mm-hmm. I want to pick your brain on that obviously you and I are both fellows, and as you mentioned, it, it can be tempting for fellows to say this is a woman's issue. I, I don't need to be aware of this. I don't need to um, think about this and, and be prepared for this, I guess. And and I'm curious, when you, through the outreach that you're doing, whether on street corners or whether just um, through the general kind of contacts through the, the Kelowna Right to Life office, when you speak to men who say, oh, this is a women's issue, this isn't up to men, men shouldn't be involved in making abortion decisions or talking about abortion, what goes through your mind and, and what words do you use to try to challenge them on that um, kind of incorrect notion that that they don't have a voice and that they shouldn't have a voice in the abortion conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the first thing to do is uh, I'd like to use the Socratic method quite a lot and ask them questions, you know, 
And, um, you know, I try to remind them that it, it takes a man and a woman to make a child. And um, therefore, you know, do you not see that, or do, would you not agree that the man also has a responsibility if he's, if he's the one that helped to make that child? Um, you know, there are a few arguments I use that, uh, the argument to biological fatherhood is an interesting one, I think, that can, that can make people think about, um, okay, when does life begin and what does a man contribute to, you know, what makes a man a father, you know. Um, it's a bit of a lengthy argument, but generally saying that if if life begins at conception, then fatherhood begins at conception as well is the point. So right at conception, the male also has the responsibility to that child too. And... Um, you know, and I bring, I do refer to my to my experience in that situation, and you know, I say, I mean, shouldn't the man have have a right to choose the future at that point? I mean, if a woman has nine months to decide whether or not she wants to be a mother, shouldn't shouldn't a man have some some kind of a choice in there as well? And I'm not saying that a man should be able to choose an abortion for a woman. I'm saying ultimately, both shouldn't shouldn't have a choice to that the child dies. I mean, that should not be a choice. But I'm just trying to draw a tent attention to the fact and draw him into the reality that it's the man's baby too and therefore this is going to affect the man too you know whether it's an abortion or the woman keeps the child i mean that's going to affect the man for the rest of his life in one way or the other as well so i i, I don't think men should be discounted from this argument uh, at all it's our those are our babies too and um uh, we need to stand up for our babies, and too many men are, are use that, I think, as a crutch to 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 get out of the situation, to not have to deal with it. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of men out there who don't, who didn't intend on getting a woman pregnant, and really don't want any of that situation. So they're using it to to get out of a tough situation. So we just need more men to stand up for our babies and and for the women in our lives too, and 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 be men, you know, be real men. That hits it right on the head of being real men, being providers, being defenders. I, I've spoken to countless men and 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 women, and I love talking to guys and their girlfriends together, or men and their and their wives together. And because a phenomenon that I see time and again, and I don't know if you've experienced this as well, or, or what your thoughts would be on it, is that I've spoken to I've spoken to a lot of men who will defer to the woman. And, and she'll say, well, you know what, I, I just don't know if I'm ready for, um, to raise a child on my own. I don't know if I'm ready for this or that or the other thing. And, and through her language, her body language, everything, she's demonstrating that she's expecting her boyfriend to, to leave at, at the first sign of danger and, and that she has no faith in mm. that guy actually being a man, as you mentioned. And, and I, I love being able to say to her, but if your man said that he was going to be there for you, and if he dedicated himself with, with all of his brokenness and all of his faults, and all of his failures to try as hard as he can to support and help you and be a family, would that change the way you would look at a pregnancy? And, and sometimes the eyes go wide and, well, I've never thought about it before. I've never actually thought that my boyfriend would stand up like that. And, and I know tragically that wasn't... I don't know if, if sufficient is quite the right word, but that that didn't resonate uh, with your partner and that wasn't able to persuade her away from abortion. But I've, I've seen that play out time and time again with couples when the men realize that sometimes the, I don't know if I can handle this, is a plea for help. I just want to be confident that you're going to be here side by side, not making this perfectly easy, but in this with me. And as soon as you say, 
no, you might not be able to do it by yourself, but I'm here with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be here every step of the way. Then abortion goes right out the window. And I'm curious, have you seen that? Have you, what are your thoughts on that kind of presenting not only to the girlfriend, but challenging the fella, as you mentioned, to be a man, to be that defender, to be that protector and, and how that can really empower people on a very individual, very personal level to protect their children, born and pre-born, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've, I've read articles and I've seen statistics on that, and um, I've uh, listened to testimonies on that where the woman has indicated that, you know, if the man would have been there for her, she would have chosen life for the baby. She would not have gone through with the abortion, you know. And, uh, um, you know, as you know, in my case, that that wasn't, that didn't turn out to be, uh, that didn't turn out the way I, I would have preferred it to. But um, I think in many cases, that's, that's very likely true, you know, and I think a woman, especially, you know, they're not married or, or they haven't been with the, they haven't been a couple for very long. There's a lot of fear there. And, you know, when there's a pregnancy, I mean, that is huge. That's life-changing and huge. And, and especially if it's a first pregnancy, I think is, is even more daunting. It seems like your whole life is about to change, about to change for the worse. All your plans are, are going to be kiboshed if there's education plans, travel plans, um, you know, opening a business, things like that, uh, or you're just not with the man that you know you want to marry, and someday you want to, you want that sort of perfect marriage where you want to marry the man of your dreams, and then have a family with him, and now all of a sudden you're pregnant with this other guy's child. Uh, it's so many different situations and scenarios that are surrounding are surrounding different pregnancies, but I think that you know that that is a that is a th- even if it's an adoption scene, you know. Or, or, or the man, or they're not going to be together, but the man's going to provide in terms of childcare payments or, or visitation, or that some that anything than just turning your back and taking off on, on the situation, I think, would, would encourage a woman to reconsider an abortion option. That men can do to try to not only change the abortion conversation, I think it's fair to say that if, if there were more men who actually stood up and, and accepted their role as protectors and defenders and men of virtue, uh, we, we could transform society fairly quickly. Um, and, and so that that's a large part of what we're hoping to do through the program here. Um, but I, I think that as you mentioned, there's, there's a lack of awareness out there regarding the absolute... Um, non-existence of the role, whether legally, um, but largely legally, I suppose, with that that child's life, that this isn't just something that only unwed young uh, mothers can have abortions, that that legally in Canada, I mean, if, if you're happily married, you've got three kids already, your wife finds out that she's pregnant, she can have an abortion with no recourse, like the, the, the father can do absolutely nothing. Um, that and and everything else and i i wonder he doesn't even have to know she doesn't even have to make him aware of it you know he she can go ahead and do that without him even knowing let alone approving it or or agreeing with it you know yeah absolutely and and i think that 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 draws me to to i guess one of my last questions and and just again to pick your brain and get your thoughts on it of, of the value of proactively having that conversation. I feel like a lot of people that I speak to um, day in and day out on street corners and on doorsteps are, they've never thought about abortion. And 
they they don't think about abortion until they find themselves in a, a challenging pregnancy. They're overwhelmed. Their emotions are all over the place, not to mention the hormones and everything going on with their bodies and, and all that kind of stuff. People don't think about abortion. Mm -hmm. And the value for men to take the lead in having this conversation, whether with their girlfriends, with their, their wives, their partners, whomever they are, to have this conversation proactively so that those lines are set out right from the beginning of, you know what, we're entering into a relationship. I'm here for you. If, if there are children, I will be here with, with no risk, with no anything. I will absolutely be here for you and for our children. What are your thoughts on being proactive and, and what um, kind of suggestions would you have to, to help men make the case for life as it were, the, whether it's an elevator pitch or whether it's a longer form, um, how, what are your thoughts on people having that proactive conversation? And second of all, what do you think could be effective ways of having that conversation? What does that look like? What would you encourage people to consider saying when they're having that conversation, I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a difficult one. I mean, I really, I think abortion should just be illegal. Like there should just be that it just should not be an option for, for either the men or, or the women. And um, so, so really that type of conversation, but probably, I mean, it, realistically in today's day and age, it, it, it is legal, of course. And um, as you mentioned before, people are conditioned from very early age through media, through their education, probably through their fam family lives, that abortion is okay and that sex is just for recreation and that, um, you know, it's okay to engage in it as long as it's safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I think you're right. Uh, I guess people have to be convicted that they don't want abortion in their life, you know, men especially, and that um, I think those conversations probably would serve to divert a lot of uh, uh, situations from happening in the first place, from pregnancies from happening in the first place. And if it does happen, then, you're, you know, if both people feel secure that, you know, they're open to life in their relationship, they're open and willing to accept the consequences of their actions both of them are on the same page, then you, you probably would see a reduction in, in abortion. But ultimately, I just think it should be, it needs to be made illegal eventually. Uh, and when that's going to happen, I think it will happen eventually in this country. Um, we see it in, in the south of border f f of us. We see it in Texas. It's essentially illegal after the heartbeat can be detected, which is a huge victory for us, I think. That has the potential to spread to other states. Um, Roe v. Wade apparently uh, is going to be revisited uh, very soon here in the in the U.S. And I think, you know, they say that the the possible outcome is that it goes back to the states on whether or not to regulate abortion. But I think if the Supreme Court rules that that unborn child is a person, I can't see how they would allow any state to allow abortion. You know. I think that would be the ultimate victory for us is to say, yes, that is a person from the moment of conception. You are a person and you have the right to life. And eventually that'll happen. I mean, it happened with slavery. You know, we denied slaves the, the, their personhood status and said they weren't fully human and it was okay to own them and kill them and buy and sell them. But eventually that injustice went by the wayside. And I think, I think the same thing is going to happen with abortion. It's just a matter of time. I hope I live to see the day because, uh, you know, it'll be the, best day of my life i can tell you that but if i don't uh, i mean i think uh, eventually uh, i will see it from heaven i'm hoping <laughs> i'm hoping you know 
<laughs> also watch the fireworks celebration from heaven, I guess, and <laughs> get a front row seat, you know, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, and I so. think that's a great way to, to wrap up this conversation, Marlon. I, I think that that brings the connection from the personal level to the, the national level to the, the widespread number, right? That, that we start by talking about the very real experience that people have with abortion, the challenges, how to navigate those within your own family life, how to be a true man and a true father defending and protecting your children um, to if that happens in enough micro families and whatnot, then that's how we're going to see this widespread change. If enough people are having these conversations, if enough people are making the decisions that need to be made, hard though they may be, then that adds up. There's no there's no way of working from the 100,000 down to the one necessarily. But if we start with the one and we work up towards the... Um, the hundred thousand. I think that's really where we have to go, and we and we absolutely need to go there, right? That, that we often look at the the image of the boy walking along the beach and seeing the the sea stars and and tossing them back into the ocean, and and that's absolutely, I think, in some ways, how we have to look at the the abortion issue. That we can't necessarily end all hundred thousand abortions that happen every year in Canada through one fell swoop, sort of thing. We need to work person by person by person, changing hearts, changing minds, um, and working from both ends, right? That, that you look at, you mentioned that legislation in Texas and how um, informative that has been um, for people as an educational tool as well. And, and so I think this is a great way to look at the abortion conversation um, and connect the personal to the national, the, the small scale, one of the, one child, one family at a time to the hundred thousand children and the countless mothers and fathers who are connected. Um, just in closing here, I, I wonder, Marlon, if you could offer a word of, of hope, of, of encouragement, maybe, maybe somebody who's listening today has an abortion experience in their own past. It's something they've been grappling with on their own for a long time. What words of encouragement would you offer to them and, and maybe what um, help or resources or kind of connections would you encourage them to, to check out and get involved with, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think if people are, suffering with guilt or shame or unresolved grief that from a past abortion a lot of people may not really even pinpoint that what they're experiencing is from a, an abortion in the past you know uh, some people are dealing with substance abuse or depression or you know all kinds of mental health issues and that, but they don't pinpoint it to an abortion that happened 20 years ago and uh, you know i would just encourage them to to revisit that with an open and honest mind no matter how painful it might be i mean i can't think of anything more painful than having to admit to yourself that you killed your own child that you had a hand in the death of your own child i, I can't the psyche cannot accept that cannot process that it is so painful you know and there's so much shame and guilt and grief around that it has to be the it has to be the worst thing you could ever try to confront in your life but if if a person is going to find some he, find healing and ultimate deep healing and forgiveness from that it starts out with a very painful realization that that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened was your own child was violently killed. And, um, you know, reach out to the pro-life movement, I would say, you know, crisis, crisis pregnancy care centers, they're all across Canada. They have connections to um, post-abortion healing programs and services. 
I think that's a great place to start is to phone someone in the pro-life movement and they will put you on the right track as to where to go, you know, and, and there is, there is, there is hope, but there is healing and there is forgiveness, you know, for, for an abortion experience, you know, it doesn't have to totally ruin your, your life. It, there is a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to abortion. Thank you so, so much, Marlon, for joining today for this conversation about your journey and, and your thoughts on, on men um, as, as they relate to abortion. I, I applaud and appreciate and, and I'm so, so grateful for your courage, for your compassion, for your, your passion in general towards protecting preborn children. I think that many people, myself included, can learn much from um, the, the drive, the, the work ethic that you have in this realm. And so thanks so much for joining the program. It's been wonderful to reconnect and, and great. And I hope that the audience has, has benefited greatly from um, this conversation. Yeah, well, great. Well, thanks for having me. It's something that just, it happened to me out of the blue. And, um, you know, I hope that um, by relating, telling my experience that some somebody out there listening at some point will benefit from it and re, reconsider an abortion and actually save a life, you know, is my ultimate goal. If this just saves one single life, you know, at some point in the future, that's well worth the hour I spent with you today, Cameron. I appreciate you so much. Amen. All right. That was my recording with Marlon Bartram, Executive Director of Kelowna Right to Life. And as we heard, um, a man who's been deeply, deeply affected by abortion himself, the father of a child who was killed by abortion tragically. There was nothing that he could do or say that could convince the mother of this child, his partner, to not go ahead with the abortion. And it just makes me think of the profound courage and and humility of Marlon in his willingness to share this story. And I hope that it shines light on the fact that we are so often entirely ignoring the experience of men when it comes to the abortion issue, that so often we're told that men have no opinion when it comes to abortion, and yet that's often ruling out the fathers themselves of these children. Tragically, there are far too many fathers who are irresponsible, who are not helpful, and who are at times even coercing the mothers of the children towards abortion. And yet, um, as we heard, there are some incredible men of integrity who are willing to do what is necessary to support that child, to support the mother um, in whatever it would take. And I think this is a really important episode for us to reflect upon and challenge ourselves and the men around us to challenge ourselves to have these important conversations early in our relationships with the people around us, um, whether um, in romantic relationships as, as um, boyfriends or husbands, or even just with the people that you interact with on a, on a regular basis, your coworkers, your friends, your family members, letting them know where you stand on abortion and that you're willing to help and support whomever it is that may need that support. I think that's so vital. And so I hope that you enjoyed this episode. For those of you who this is your first episode tuning in, welcome. I hope that you'll check out more of our episodes on your favorite podcast catcher, be it Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Stitcher or whatever it may be. Find us on YouTube at the Pro Life Guys Podcast. You can find us on, um, you can find our website, prolifeguys.com. Check it out. Peter just revamped the entire thing. So check out that website with regards to all of the past episodes, as well as merchandise that you can purchase um, and other ways that you can get involved, whether it be courses or finding local activism groups or whatever it might look like for you. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for being involved. Thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. Please do consider writing us a review. 
offering a comment, give us some feedback, constructive or positive, whatever it may be. It can be both, obviously. Give us a five-star rating if, if you love the podcast, and we look forward to publishing more quality content. If you want to help us grow the amount of content that we're putting out, please sign up to be a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash guys. This money goes towards what we're fundraising for right now, ultimately, is being able to bring Maddie Halleck, our incredible producer that we featured on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement several months ago, um, bring on Maddie Halleck in an almost full-time capacity, just producing content um, so that we can have more and more content, both readily available and for you, our wonderful Patreon supporters. Um, and so please do check that out. That helps us reach more and more people, put out better and better content and more and more content. So again, patreon.com slash prolifeguys. Go to our website, prolifeguys.com. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to offer some feedback or suggestions or whatever it may be, reach out to us on social media or contact us through the email. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and may the Lord bless you generously. Mm-hmm.